you turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2, I want to read a most powerful verse there you're familiar with. I'm talking about the cross from the standpoint of cross life. That's our theme we started last week. As we come to the Easter time, we celebrate the resurrection. I pray that God would impress us most vividly with the cross and what it means, that it would be a compass to direct our life. It should be so profoundly impactful for us. That is the cross that it changes the way we think, the way we do business, the way we worship in every part of our life. Um, when I talked to Brother Mark this week, early in the week, about my subject so he could get the songs lined up, I said I wanted to call it personal sacrifice. But you notice uh, if you got the bulletin, uh, I called it paradoxal sacrifice by Friday morning. <laughs> That's not a mistake. I think it is a personal sacrifice when you think about what God's called us to do. But yet when you understand that Jesus Christ saved us from hell, how observed is it us to say that we can sacrifice for our Lord it won't be possible um, a paradox is seemingly something that's contradictory I'm about to read you a verse that's sort of a paradoxical verse I want you to understand with me though as you think about being a Christian uh, it's a paradoxical kind of life because a Christian is a person that is richest when they're poorest, that gives up everything to have something, that dies to live, that talks every day to a God they can't see, <laughs> who hears what is inaudible, who sees the unseen, who is weakest when the strongest? Who admits they're wrong just so they can be justified and pronounced right? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? A Christian. Here in Second in Galatians chapter two, the Apostle Paul has jumped all over the Apostle Peter for him trying to pretend he's somebody that he's not. In other words, he, he wanted to get around the Jews and say, well, you know, you've got to have circumcision. I think religion sometimes is that way. And we need to ask God to help us make sure of that. So the Apostle Paul is telling Peter that, that there's no way you can be justified and made right with God by the law. I mean, they tried to get a man to be circumcised. It was a Greek. <laughs> And so Paul reminds him that, you know, what you're saying then is that, that Jesus, you're, you're going to cause Jesus to be a sinner because Jesus ate with sinners. You see, there's only one true church. It's not necessarily the primitive Baptist church either, nor the Methodist or the First Baptist. It is the church universal. There's only one faith and one baptism. And that's what God does. And so the baptism we do by immersion is a, a symbolic of that. It is. So Paul is dealing with that in Peter, and I think we all need to be reminded that we're saved by grace, not by works. And the cross is how that comes into being. But look at verse 20. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Now Paul is pretty stirred up here. 
And that's what grace will do. That's what the cross will do. It's about being convicted. Nevertheless, I live. Crucified implies death. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Isn't that amazing? That is cross life. What Paul is saying is, you know, it's not so much that we're living for Christ, it's that Christ is living through us. That's cross life. And the life which I now live in the flesh, that is the life that you can see, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Not my faith, but God's faith, Jesus' faith who loved me and gave himself for me. My goodness, what a blessing. What amazing paradoxical sacrifice Paul is pouring out here. And I wanted to say that this morning to you and ask God to help us. I want you to look at your bulletin if you have one, and I'm going to go ahead and fill in some blanks as we go through this account of God's grace and the paradoxical sacrifice. Now the context of this, most all of this chapter, but particularly the last several verses of Galatians 2, is justification. Now we talked about that some last week. Justification is what God does to declare a sinner righteous. Okay? He declares it. It's a one-time event. Okay? It means that because of God's declaring that, it's just as if you never sinned, okay? It does not mean, though, that God in, just winks at sin or wraps it under the, walks it under the rug somewhere. Something has to be done so that a holy God can justify an unworthy sinner like you and me. And what was done is his only begotten son came from heaven, born in a virgin Mary, and lived the appointed time sinless, and went to the cross and died for you and me, and rose again. Now Jesus has done that, and so by doing it, God has said, He's declared you righteous, just as righteous as Jesus. And so that's the context. But now let's talk about how do we live that context. Sanctification is a process. Christianity is a transforming life. And we need to be ever mindful of that. Lest we'll get so discouraged and we'll want to quit. But Paul is not there. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not me that's living, but Christ in me. And this life I live that you can see. What he's really saying is not really me. He said, this old man is dead. But there's something inside that is alive. And so he says, because God loved me and he gave himself for me. Now the first sentence I wanted to 
deal with from this text, this one verse, and the context of it all in view of the subject of a paradoxical sacrifice is this. Cross life is about giving up. Giving up. And we need to give up. And everything about God to make cross life worth living is giving up. He gave for us. He gave up his son, his only begotten son, Jesus, for us. He gave him up. And what we need to do is give up our sins. And so it's not a matter of us saying, well, I just want to do better. I want to be better. You might want to be, but what we need to understand is coming to the reality that what we need to give Jesus, the only thing he wants is our sins. He doesn't want our whining. He doesn't want, what. well, I'm going to do better. He wants your sins. And we need to give them up. Because we still have this sin nature that we, we struggle with. And anytime this stuff starts haunting you or bothering you, you give it to Jesus because he knows what to do with it. You and I don't. We think it satisfies us, but it gets us in deeper debt. You know, we just give it up. And it's all about giving up. In Ephesians chapter 5, look at these verses with me. It's not far away. If you've got your Bibles open, look at verse 2. And the whole theme of, of God's salvation, of sacrifices, giving up, he says, Be ye therefore, in verse 1, of fathers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling flavor, or, yeah, savor. Could be flavor, I guess. So God gave up for you and me so that God could love us and that he, he would love us because our sins have been removed because of what Christ has done for us. How, how, what would it take for me and you to get where we need to just give it up to God? Well, what are we doing? What are we doing in life? I mean, you know, we just want to hold on to this life. But I'm going to tell you, you can't give up something or grasp God unless you let go of something else. And that's what God is saying. All the fears and the doubts we have, we need to just give them up. And just, just submit to God's design in our life. And so he says in verse Ephesians 5, I'm still there. I, I, in verse 25, in marriage, in the view of the church in Christ, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Isn't that amazing? You know, I, I've had the sweet privilege as a, as a father to give three of my daughters up in marriage to men. And all three, I would count, are greater men than I could ever be. And God, when God arranged marriage back in Genesis, God gave Adam a woman. God gave away the first bride. And God always gives us something to make us more complete. And he gave us Christ to make our sin debt paid. 
and to give us everything we need. Why do you think God says we have all things in Christ? We do. So will we give up our sin? Because you know cross life is a death to self. That's what cross life is about. Dying to yourself. I got a little cross on my neck. It's not just to be cute, not to just say, well, there's a little preacher there. This guy that likes Jesus. No, what this thing represents is the shame that Lord Jesus bore for me on the cross of Calvary. It means that when you see this on anybody or whether they got one visibly or not, it means if they're taking up their cross, it means they're on their way to execution. Because frankly, we have three deaths. We have a penal death that Christ died for us. You will not have to make that again. Thank God. There ought to be enough motivation for you and me not to ever, not to ever feel like that it's making us, uh, making us uncomfortable just to do something for God or go to church or, or worship or pray or visit. Or confess our sins. Man, what a blessing to understand. What is, do you realize what God has done for us? He's taken away death. That's what sin is. The wages of sin is death. But Christ has taken that place. Man, that is so blessed. You say, well, preacher, I've heard that all my life. I mean, what does it mean to you? It'll mean something when we're dangling over hell. It means something. Will. But, but we have this people that we want to separate because that has already been paid. You know, if I'm if I if I was convicted of a capital crime and sentenced to execution and executed, and for some reason by chance I rose up from that, then you know what? I could not be convicted of that again. Because I've already paid it. Do you know that's what you did in Christ? When Christ died on the cross, you died with him. When he rose again, you rose with him. What a blessing to rejoice. Now look at that second sentence. As our substitute. Substitute. Christ did for us what we could never do for ourselves. See, the law... The law will not save you. The law will condemn you. You know what the God's word does to me every morning? It looks me in the eye and says, Randy, you're a sinner. That's why people don't like to read this book sometimes. I mean, it will tell you like it is, God's word. But what the thing about it is, when we see that in context, yes, God, I agree with that. But I have a Savior. And Jesus paid that death penalty that I deserve and you deserved. Gracious, what a blessing. And so, so what happened, he is our substitute. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. You see, it's not about what you do, it's about what you are. God changes your nature. He does that by his amazing grace. And that's what cross life is about. He's so, so substitute. It's what God provided. And if you look at the Old Testament, see, this is God's idea. 
I mean, you look at God's people were in the two situations. They were a people that were created by God, just like you. So they were obligated to worship God. So God had sacrifices. Some of them were peace offerings. Some of them were feasts. Some of them were for sin, for blood offerings. There were five major types of offerings, but they all had two categories. Either that was to show the people that they were created by God and they were to be dependent on God. Or they were strayed away from God and they needed to, to make a sacrifice to bring them back to God. See, we are God's sheep and sheep will wander from God. You do it, I do it. We are sheep, and sheep go astray. But Jesus, his stripes, by his stripes, we are healed. And God says in Isaiah, we are like sheep who go astray. Every one of us. So God says this is a subject. You know what happened in the Old Testament sacrifice? Here comes somebody, and they got a, they got a little lamb. Just say that, for example. And they hold that lamb. And what that means is that lamb is representing that person. Then that lamb is killed. And the priest will take the blood and sprinkle it. Symbolically, to say what God says in Exodus 17, 11, that the blood, life is in the blood, and the blood is required for atonement. That's what God says. So that substitute, that little lamb was the substitute. So that, that's what happens. So Christ in the Hebrews now has become the perfect sacrifice. It's not an animal anymore. That was just a shadow of the Redeemer that was going to come, Jesus, okay? And so what happens now, he made a sacrifice because it has to be equivalent to be a substitute. See, an animal couldn't save a person. Jesus is the only one that can. So that's, he's our substitute. Now just this morning, you have to try to expand your imagination a little bit. Here's Sister Kathy. She substituted for Sister Irene. Sister Irene said, I'm sick, I can't be there. What did she do? She took her place. She did something that Irene couldn't do because she was sick or ill. Now, I know this doesn't have anything to do necessarily with that, but I just want to see the magnitude of being a substitute. You have somebody to take your place. Now, God forbid if Mark or somebody asked me to take Irene's place. You don't mind a mess. See, Jesus is the one that it took to take our place. I want you to grasp that with me. He is our substitute. You think about the scapegoat and all that God says. You know, I think about, I thought about Sister Irene being sick. You know, every time you hear about something now, you hear about this coronavirus. I, I want to tell you, you, you think about cross life, and, and as bad as it may be, that coronavirus is nothing. You know, the greatest virus we got to deal with in this world today is sin. And it's, it's a virus that's around. People don't think nothing of it. You know, you hear, you hear ridicule now about whether the president's made enough about coronavirus and all that. 
You know, we haven't made enough Christians have it about sin. We pretty much come to the point that, you know, I don't want to be judgmental. It's all right to kill a little baby. I mean, that's a right. I mean, it's pretty much a way I live. I don't want to infringe on my rights about anything. I'll tell you what, it's very contagious. But there's a remedy for it. Coronavirus vaccine hasn't been established yet. I'm saying they're working. But I'm going to tell you, there's one for sin. It's Jesus. <laughs> you put Jesus right in that sin. I'm going to tell you, you're talking about cleansing. You're talking about healing. The only mask you'll need to wear is a mask of your faith in the Lord Jesus. What a blessing. But he's our subject. Secondly, I want you to see as our uh, second, third sentence, if you've got a bulletin, as our representative, not only is he our subject, that's what he said in Galatians chapter 2. As our representative, Christ did what we, by being united to him, have also done. Did you hear me? <laughs> that's what a representative is. So not only, here's cross life, not only has Jesus taken our place so that so that. He received the judgment that we deserved so that we received the righteousness that we didn't deserve. But because God loved us, okay? But now also, he is our representative. So that we see in Romans 6 and other places where Paul said, when he died, we died with him. When he rose, we rose with him. He represented us. See, Adam represented us as a federal head because when he sinned, we all became sinners. Okay? But he can never be our substitute. Jesus is both. He's the one and only. So what I'm going to let you see, and what is such a paradox, is that God, because you were in Christ, you can really say, when it comes to dying for this, I've already done that. You have. Yeah, I know Christ did, but you were there. You died with Christ. And you rose with Christ. And so that makes it, that's why you can't presume on sin and say, well, you know, I've been elected or predestined, so I can do anything I want. No, no. You have God in you. And God has given you his nature and your heart and his heart. What a blessing. But, but he, he is your representative and your substitute. You remember Simon, uh, Simon of Serene carried Jesus' cross? And you remember Barabbas? You remember the convicted criminal who they let go? Well, well we're, we're both of those in a way. We're, we're Barabbas because we're all guilty. We're sinners and yet we were allowed to escape. And we're, we're just Simon of Serene, too, because we're carrying a cross. You and I have a cross. If we're believers in God, we take our cross. Jesus said, if you're going to be after me, my disciples, you deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. And that's what cross life is about. And then the last sentence is probably the most paradoxical of them all regarding that text of Galatians 2.20. Listen to it. Cross life is endeavoring, trying anyway, to destroy what we are by the fall 
That's that we all experience. That's depravity. We're all dead in sins. That's why God's amazing grace has to save us. We have absolutely nothing to do with our eternal salvation. Only God can do it. But we have a whole lot to do with crucifying our flesh after we're saved. That's according to the Galatians 5.24. See, you compare Galatians 2.20 to Galatians 5.24, and you have a very clear vision of, of justification and sanctification. So, so what we are by the fall, we need to deny or destroy or kill and redeem what we are by creation. See, what it means is this. What are we by the fall? Whatever we are by the fall, we need to try to get rid of it. We need to vomit it up. We need to, to get rid of it in whatever way we can. What, what is it? It's anger, maybe. Uh, lust. Uncontrolled sexual desires. Uh, you read it in Galatians 5. You talk about the, the works of the flesh. You can find them. There's 17 of them. And one of them will get you and me, every one of us. Uh, selfishness, pride, laziness. Then that's what we are by the fall. And we all got some of it. See, even though, and I mentioned this a while ago, even though we got three deaths. You remember when I said that? Well, the first is penal. Christ did that. We're going another, and one is moral. So that is a continual fight that we're in. And, and, and then, you know, when you think about physical death is another one. That's the three. Penal, moral, physical. And so physical does that mean that we're embracing whatever God's called us to do. Death, by the way, is not penal. You understand that? I'm talking about human death. It's not. Christ paid the price. Now there's consequences, unfortunately, that we have to deal with when we sin. There's consequences to our sin. There's scars. There's hurt. There's, there's situations that we're going to have to pay. You know, it seems like we're paying for in our life because of the life we live. There is. But we'll never have to pay for, for our, our sin debt because that has been paid by Christ. Okay? So, so here in this sentence, I just wanted to, to clasp on this with me. What we are by the fall, we destroy. And i got to tell you, seems like the older I get, I see more of it in me. Okay? But now there's two sides of it. And redeem what we are by creation. So actually, actually, now listen to me. you gotta, you got to deny yourself and affirm yourself. You see the paradox of sacrifice? What you do, what part you deny is your false self. You know, we, we probably all do. As I mean, I have thoughts going on in my mind sometimes that, you know, the sin is so deceiving. It'll make your mind, it'll do wonders in your mind. I mean, it'll take you places, but it's all a lie. It's all a lie. So, so we have to deny our false self. And we have to affirm our created self. So what that means is, in, in essence, we hate ourselves, the fallen part. I know I do. I hate my sins. <laughs> I do. I hate the fallen part of Randy. I know him better than you do. But, but I'm, not, I'm not to just say, well, you know, uh, what about God in this? See, because you've got to know that God loves you. He proves that on the cross, doesn't he? I mean, I mean, you're going to have a point here. God redeemed you. 
because he loves you. So we affirm everything that he redeemed in creation. That's what it means that we affirm our sexuality as men and women, uh, that we affirm worship, that we affirm um, marriage, that we affirm um, work and stewardship and, and all those things that God made in creation. We need to affirm that. And we need to continually know that God has given us that through Redeemer of Christ. He set that for us. And what a blessing that is that we see this. Now, I know it's time to go. But this is an ongoing denial and affirmation. And so may God help us to see this and to bless him in it. Because cross life, in a lot of ways, is not for sissies. It's not. Because, because it is true when, when, uh, when it was said that when God calls a person to follow him, he calls that person to die. And that's what God's called us to do. Now, you're willing to die. That means that you're giving up your opinions, your old self, your attitudes, your rights, and you're saying, God, I want you to use me. I want to affirm what I am in creation, that you've made me in your image, oh God. And that's what salvation really is, is it not? That we're being conformed to the image of our most precious Savior and the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And so may the Lord bless us to see that. It's a paradox. It, it sometimes won't make sense. You know, sometimes it's kind of like David said in Psalm 35. I think it's the third chapter, third verse of that Psalm. David, it's a prayer to God. And obviously David's struggling. But he said, God, say to me, or he said, say to my soul, thou art my salvation. You know what? It's okay. If it wasn't, you're going to have doubt. Don't sit there and say, well, I have doubts, so I not, might not be a Christian, or I might, might not be this. You know what? That's a good example. You wouldn't have a doubt if you weren't a believer, I'd say. You weren't. You wouldn't. So, so what a blessing, David. And we need to ask God to say, show me, God. Affirm to me. Show me that I am yours. You know what Jesus calls you? He calls you little children. <laughs> he calls you brothers sisters he calls us saints why does he do that because he loves us he wants to see our worth though in the context of cross life what he's given us through the cross it's not about works no way that's what legalism does destroys the cross the grace of cross the cross life what a blessing. We have so many reasons to rejoice this morning. So many of reasons to understand that we might not can figure it all out. But you know, like Paul said, I don't know. He said, but I, I, I die. I crucify my flesh. Yet not I, but Christ died within me. I live, but not me, but Christ lives. May the Lord bless us because he gave himself for us. May God help us to give everything for him. Not just what we have left over. You know, not just when we get it to the point we think it'll be just right. I mean just pour it out to God. Just like it is. You know, we need to get rid of our false pretense. That's what Paul was doing to Peter. You got to be yourself with God. 
You've got to bring your sins to God. It doesn't matter what, what pride is telling you to do. That is a part of that fallen nature. That's the part of yourself, that false self, you've got to deny. And you've got to do it over and over and over again. You know what? I, I remember going to the country, you killed a snake. I know some people might not like that, but I, I do. I have before. Stepped over too many rattlesnakes in the woods, I guess. But you know, it takes a while for them to die. What does they say? After the sun goes down, maybe. But they'll, keep, they'll continue wiggling. That's what that old nature we got. May the Lord bless us and comfort us. Jesus Christ, he is our Savior. That is what we're to focus on, the redemption that we have in him and redeem those things that God has given us in creation, creating us in his very image. May the Lord bless you. Brother Martin.